What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Today, we are going over five storylines from the NBA preseason that I am buying. Of course, we see every single year preseason stories that can get a bit overblown, leading to some pretty foolish market speculation. So try not to do that today. But again, we will be looking at five storylines from the preseason that I like heading into the season. These are just my opinions. And let's get right into it. We see it often enough. A guy does really well in the NBA preseason, but he does so while receiving minutes and playing a role that he simply will not have in the regular season. Well, that type of thinking rarely crosses into the minds of most people, and then you get that type of player blowing up in the basketball card marketplace, and it just doesn't really make any rational sort of sense. Remember last preseason when Talon Horton Tucker was the hottest name to buy even though he was rostered on a deep Lakers team for which he was near the bottom end of the rotation. And buying based off of preseason storylines can be dangerous because what you're seeing in this exhibition type of environment often won't reflect much of what we will actually see in the regular season. But I do think that there are some different storylines that you can parse through and, and find some substance, some substance to project forward with heading into the regular season. So let's take a look at a few of those right now. First up, we'll be heading down to Charlotte, where as of this recording, they've played two preseason games. They play their third preseason game tonight against the Heat. In their first two games, Miles Bridges has earned two starts at the power forward position, a role which seems likely to stick heading into the regular season. Now, last week, head coach James Borrego spoke about his new starting lineup. He was talking about them uh, forming an identity as a starting unit and how important that would be for the team. And he was speaking about the starting unit of LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and Mason Plumley. Again, our interest is in Bridges standing in the actual starting five. After two pretty uh, disappointing, I guess we could say, seasons to start off his career, Miles Bridges was moved to the bench last year, from which he was averaging 26 and a half minutes per game, and honestly, he was playing pretty well. It wasn't until April, however, when he finally snuck his way back into the starting five. Injuries started piling up around the team. P.J. Washington, who had been starting at the power forward position, he moved over to the center position as an undersized center, and that really helped open up the starting four spot for Bridges, and he was excellent in that role. As a reserve last year, off the bench, he averaged 10.4 points, 5.7 rebounds, 2 assists, and shot 39% from 3 along with a 62% true shooting. Pretty solid for his role. When he moved back into the starting lineup, all those numbers jumped. 18.6 points, 6.7 rebounds, nearly 3 assists, shot 42% from 3 on nearly 6.5 attempts per game, and had a 64% true shooting percentage. All really, really strong. Clearly, some of that is due to playing more minutes as a starter, but a good chunk of it is also because he was playing more minutes alongside LaMelo Ball. He showed you know, just really, really strong rapport with last year's Rookie of the Year, and they've shown it again already in this preseason. Assuming that most of P.J. Washington's minutes will be coming as a center this year, Miles Bridges' playing time is suddenly wide open once more. Now, he's going to be playing starters minutes, and he's going to be continuing to develop in his role alongside his running mate LaMelo. Together, they call them Airbnb, and, and there were flashes of time last year when 
Ball and Bridges look like one of the most exciting young tandems in basketball. So I'm buying that heading into this season. The Hornets have you know, all the motivation in the world to continue to explore and develop that pairing. Bridges starting at the four, that's going to be here to stay. Next up, we are heading over to a former Hornets team. I'm talking about the current New Orleans Pelicans. Storyline that we're looking at there is somewhat of a murky guard situation. Now, at one point this offseason, it seemed pretty clear that Devontae Graham was all but a lock to be the starting point guard for the Pels, and it kind of looks a little less clear, at least after a few preseason games. And Graham has started each of the Pelicans' three preseason games so far, and he has not looked good. You know, even downright awful, I guess we could say. In 21 minutes per night, he's shot 26% from the field and 28.5% from three, resulting in 5.7 points per game to go along with three rebounds and 3.3 assists. He has just been really bad. Now, obviously, this is the preseason. This is his first running with the new team. Brandon Ingram has only played once. Zion's not played at all. Clearly, we're talking about a super small sample size, so we shouldn't overreact. But it has been a very, very ugly first impression for Graham. Contrasting his performance with another young backcourt option, that's Nikhail Alexander-Walker, really looks like Alexander-Walker might have a pretty clear path to a larger role. It was already assumed that he was going to be the starting shooting guard heading into the season, but if the current trends continue, Devontae Graham might need to take a bench role, leading both uh, leaving both starting guard spots open for Alexander Walker, as well as the rookie Trey Murphy, both of whom have looked much, much better than Graham in the early going. Now, Walker did have a bit of a stinker against the Bulls a few nights ago, but even still, after three games, he's averaging 16 points, 2.3 rebounds, and three assists, while shooting 36% from three on seven attempts per game over the course of those three preseason games, during which he saw 24 minutes per night. Trey Murphy, he's seen 30 minutes per night in those three games. He's averaged 19 points, 7 rebounds, and assist while shooting nearly 58% from the three-point line and nearly 9 attempts per game. Obviously, that's going to regress. But both of these young guards have looked so much better than Graham, and I think maybe they really ought to be starting ahead of Graham, at least to start the season. For that reason, I'm buying Nick Alexander-Walker. You know, even though he isn't even if he isn't taking the point guard role from Graham, he still is going to be likely starting at the shooting guard and have a sizable role on Zion Williamson's team, and that is a rather exciting position to be in. Excuse me. Next, we're going to head out west to the San Francisco Bay in order to take a look at a young guard over there. He's been one of the bigger preseason stories. That's Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors. In three preseason games, he's been scorching hot. He's shooting 44% from three and 52% from the field overall. That has allowed him to score 25 points per game, along with three rebounds and 3.3 assists, and also a steal and a third per game. Just dynamite play from the third-year guard. I am buying this storyline all day long. You know, the one thing that you always worry about when you see a young guy putting up those types of stats in the preseason is, is where his minutes will go in the regular season. But we already have a good idea of what Poole's minutes will be, as Steve Kerr has already announced that Jordan Poole will be starting in place of Clay Thompson for as long as Thompson remains out. It looks like Clay probably won't be back until maybe the, the holidays at the earliest, which means that the Milwaukee native Jordan Poole is going to be having about two or three months of really, really, you know, a lot of minutes, uh, plenty of opportunity in a starting role. His NBA role moving forward in his career is likely going to be that of a good productive score. After a rookie season in which he was thoroughly in over his head after being thrust into actual minutes because of injuries around the roster, he improved then heading into his sophomore campaign when in under 20 minutes per night he averaged 12 points per game, which equates to 22 points per game per 36 minutes. 
which, you know, obviously not too shabby. He's going to be getting the minutes here early on, and he should be scoring in bunches at those minutes, and it's going to be coming at the right time of year to really drive his card market wild. It's the beginning of the year. I'm buying Jordan Poole's storyline as a preseason standout. I really do believe that we'll see that continue, at least to a degree, as we head into the regular season. Next up, we're heading north of the border up to Toronto, where OG Ananobi has been having himself a very solid preseason thus far. Through three games in 28 minutes per night, Ananobi has averaged 20 points per game, four rebounds, two assists, and nearly two steals per game. He's shot an obviously unsustainable 55.6% from three, along with 52.5% from the field. Now, we can expect, obviously, the shooting to regress a bit, but it's the role that's really interesting. You know, we could have expected Ananobi's role to be expanding this season, primarily with the departure of Kyle Lowry, and that's exactly what's taken place in the preseason thus far. He's been given the ball a lot. He's been asked to make things happen, and that's what he's been doing. He's sporting a 23% usage rate this preseason, which, if that keeps up, would be a career high for him by a healthy margin. Now, his usage did increase month over month throughout last season. It went from 14.1% in December to 17.2% in January, 18.7% in February, 22.1% in March, up to 23.2% usage in April. Each of those months, his scoring output and general production improved right along with his usage. And so if this preseason reflects the role that he'll be having with the Raptors moving forward, which I think it does, we should be expecting big things from OG in his fifth NBA season. Now, last year, he averaged 12 shot attempts per game and averaged 16 points on those 12 shots. Assuming the shot totals go up, we're likely looking at a 20-point scorer on a Raptor team, which is finally home again and should be much improved. I love OG Ananobi buying his preseason performances all day long. The last storyline to look for today uh, comes out of the desert. I'm looking at the lack of a contract extension for the Bahamian big man, DeAndre Ayton. Now, reportedly, contracts talks have stalled out with the Suns, and things have gotten rather messy between them. Ayton wants a max deal. He doesn't intend to inch off of that. Robert Sarver is hoping for something a bit less. Now, I think ultimately Sarver's going to have to have to be the one to budge on his demands. You know, this is just the nature of the NBA. Ayton has done enough in his career so far to deserve a, a max contract in today's NBA. And if the Suns don't want to offer it to him, someone else will happily do so. I'm not saying that he'll necessarily live up to you know, every dollar of that max deal or that I'd want to be in Sarver's shoes and have to pay him. But that's clearly the contract that he's headed for. Expecting Ayton to come down on his asking price is a non-starter. I mean, maybe you remember from his pre-draft interviews back in 2018 when he was asked what a successful NBA career would look like. He said definitely getting to that second contract. He was talking about this contract extension even before he signed his first contract. So yeah, he's been thinking about this for a long time. He's done everything he needed to do in order to get a max deal done, and he's not going to budge a cent off that number. So at this point, assuming the Suns don't max him out within the next week or so, I expect DeAndre Ayton to be an absolute wrecking ball to beginning the regular season. He's already coming into it with a major chip on his shoulder due to an NBA Finals defeat. Added to that is all the terribly annoying national talk about their Finals appearance being a fluke. And now his own team suddenly doesn't believe in him. Yikes. I would not want to get in his way if he's headed to the basket with a full head of steam. I'm buying up this storyline. DeAndre Ayton is primed to have a really big year, along with the Phoenix Suns, still a very good team, and his card market should react pretty strongly to those performances. And there you have it. 
those are the five storylines that I'm happy to buy into heading into the regular season. Usually there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in the preseason. You never really know what you can actually believe, but these are at least some of the storylines which project good things to come here starting in just about one week as the regular season kicks off. In any case, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next week.